0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for
1: life. Learn more at tiaa.org/promises payoff. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. It's our show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. Happy New Year, folks. Here's a question for you: What does it mean to have it all? I wanna start our year out with this because it's really the question at the center of our show. Most people work, not everyone, but most, so that they can make money, but it's only part of the whole. On Hello Monday, we talk a lot about that whole, about who we are as humans, how our careers support this, and where work's supposed to fit into our lives. There's no one answer to this question of what it means to have it all, and that's the beauty of it, but how you answer it for yourself Well, that has a lot to do with what choices you'll make about work and about your career. Having it all has historically been a women's conversation, and you'll hear more from women than men in this episode, but the way that it plays out in our offices and in our homes, well, this has a significant impact on men too. Today we have no outside guests. This is an episode just for us and for you, our community of listeners. You'll hear from our producer, Sarah Storm, and also from Michaela Greer, who hosted a couple of bonus episodes for us last year. And of course, you'll hear from me. And throughout the show, you'll hear from each other. So thanks to all of you who sent in voice memos. Here goes, and Sarah starts us off.
2: I think my definition has changed radically over the last many years, because if you'd asked me even right out of grad school, like what did I think it meant to have it all? I would have been like, oh, I'm recurring on a show and I'm writing and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I think it meant like success in the field I dreamt of. And now, well, it means that I've made a series of decisions that feel right for my life. And I'm able to take care of myself and take care of my family and do work with purpose. But I don't know that I think you can have it all. I think I've accepted that, like, I can set up a rubric for myself of what matters most to me and attempt to achieve those things. But, like, by the sort of old school definition of having it all, I don't know that it's possible.
1: So, Sarah, like, one thing that I hear in all of that is that one's notion of what it means to have it all changes over the course of our careers. So, so Michaela, you're you're still pretty close to the beginning, right? I mean, this is your first job out of graduate school. I am so close to the beginning that I hadn't even really thought about what
3: it meant to have it all. I remember speaking to my pastor a few months ago, actually, and he said, okay, so now you've, you've graduated from grad school. And so what's next? And I just remember saying to him, nothing is next right now. I just want to enjoy having a job out of grad school. That was just the big goal to have a job. So I guess my, my um, having it all moment kind of meant how close to the ideal, I guess, 19 somethings American dream could I get? I wanna be able to own a house. I wanna be able to have disposable income. But in terms of all the specifics, I had no clue. And I
1: probably, I, I still don't. Whenever we're talking about having it all, it, it becomes a women's conversation. And I think that there's a reason for that, right? I. I looked up sort of where this notion of having it all came from. And it came from a book that was written by the Cosmo editor, Helen Gurley Brown in the 80s. I think the title of it was Having It All. But it originally referred to this lifestyle that I think even at the time, she was like, that doesn't exist. That was about women being able to work and have a fulfilled career life and a fulfilled social life and a fulfilled family life. And that notion of having it all it's freaking impossible. And anybody who didn't think so yeah. before 2020 <laughs> now <laughs> believes it.
2: I also think it's super generational, right? People who are coming of age now or who are like mid-career now and people who are coming of age and mid-career in the 80s had a completely like different socioeconomic outlook unless they had an abundance of generational wealth. It costs so much more to get an education and the makeup of families have changed. I think there's so much that's different now. And I think there's still a battle for like social acceptability for like what a family might look like in different contexts that I think we couldn't we could barely talk about then. Say more about that, Sarah. Like the very idea that having it all meant career and social life and family. What's implied in that is that family means like in the 80s and maybe I'm overstating it, but like opposite sex, spouse and children. Right. Whereas now... We have a much more expansive and inclusive definition of what family might look like. And I'm getting bristly at the idea of having it all as is it, as defined in that book. And I'm realizing I'm never going to live up to the expectation of having a biological, like having biological offspring. That's a decision that I made. And it took me a long time to come to it. And I've only recently come to it. But then like also the truth is I love children. I'm great with kids. And I'm still trying to figure out how I have it all by having kids as a part of my life. But I feel like it doesn't feel like that's part of the having it all conversation. Like, it feels like that's left out or I feel like it's left out. Like, you should want that. You know,
1: Sarah, you are in your early 40s, which it's relevant to say in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'm in my mid 40s. And when I was in my early 30s, I think I was, I can tell you, I was 33. I was doing some reporting on a technology executive in Silicon Valley, who also was a prominent feminist, very outspoken. And she meant this as a kindness. She sat me down and she said, you seem to be doing really well in your career. When are you going to have kids? And I looked at her blankly and I responded, why are you asking? And I also got all hot in the face. I was like, this is a personal question. I'm uncomfortable. But I also said what was then true for me. I said, not planning to have children. I don't want children now. I can't foresee wanting children. I can foresee having a fulfilled life without having children. And her answer to me was, oh, that'll change. Uh, There was never that moment where she took me seriously as a woman in my mid-30s, very happy in my career and fulfilled in my life, who said, no, I, I don't want that for myself. I guess I raised that because I feel like there's this thing that our society does to women in their 30s that I want to try to undo around the conversation of having it all. And in fairness, we don't have a woman in our 30s in the room with us, right? Michaela, you're in your your (laughs) 20s. I'm in my 20s. So we don't even have a representative. But there's a way in which when you get to your 30s as a woman, we say, it's not too late. Quick, go do it. And that pressure just builds and builds and builds as you go through your 30s, right? Like, you... You can get the perfect job. You can have a career change. You can go back to school, do it right now. And by the way, you really do want a partner. Maybe, maybe it's a a same sex partner. I mean, maybe it's a non-binary partner, right? It's 2020, we'll be open-minded, but you need someone. Um, Else, how are you gonna have a fulfilled life? How are you gonna have it
2: all? And that's a lot of pressure. (laughs) It's so much pressure.
1: It's
3: starting earlier and earlier, I think, because even I, I remember having a conversation with my friend just this past weekend, and she was saying, I just got my job. I've been working here for less than a year, but I feel like I am not making the paces fast enough. And it's in the job, it's in the marriage, it's in whatever else you think you need to check off your checkbox. And these dates are just coming forward. We're starting to hear things like, if you wait until you're 30 to get all these things done, you're gonna get the leftovers. Now, if I wait till I'm thirty, I'm 30, I don't wanna be thought of as a leftover. It's not because I was just left on the shelf and nobody picked me up. It's because I probably decided I didn't wanna be on the shelf right now. Um, So I think, it's 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 becoming earlier for these conversations and, and the pressure is just, it's just mounting and it's too much.
2: I think there's not enough encouragement and acknowledgement that having it all for some people means having none of the things that were in Helen Gurley Brown's book necessarily,
1: right? I think yeah. it's fair to say no matter who we are, that we have access to more choices for how to live our lives and what mm-hmm. to prioritize if we've reached a certain class level in our country than anyone in generations before us. But with that choice comes more pressure to try to make all those choices, to try to have all those things, or at least not to close any doors to any of those things in case the future should make way for them.
3: And you want to make those decisions, but you also can't make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't make the, I, I, well, I decided to live in New York. And so I bought a house in New York and then things changed. There's a stress to get it right the first time because there won't be a second time.
2: And implied is that there is a right. Yes. Which I think is right. is such a harmful idea think it hurts us. Jesse, you mentioned like the privilege, like what it's like you have to hit a certain class marker to be able to make some of these choices. We all have all of these choices. But what I feel like we've sort of ingrained in this conversation is that this idea that we maybe can't all be trusted to individually have enough of a moral compass and a personal center to know what's right for us, for our families, for our communities, to make these decisions for ourselves. And I think that harms people really differently. Sort of depending on where in this really unequal place that we are at. But I don't think anybody gets out free from that.
1: We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear from some listeners on what it means to them to have it all.
0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days. All showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off.
1: And we're back and bringing you some thoughts from some of our most committed listeners. Tawanda Wall Palmer comes to us from New York, where she's a life coach Along with achieving a work-life balance that lets her spend more time with friends, Tawanda believes having it all involves giving some back. Or as she says,
0: make a contribution to the world by helping others in some way.
1: Jason Sargent works remotely from New Hampshire, and he calls out three things. Not worrying about finances, having healthy relationships, and doing something meaningful.
3: Having it all means that you have enough resources to do what you want, when you want,
1: with the people that you love. As I was talking with Sarah and Michaela, I started to reframe the idea a little. We'd been talking about meeting external obligations and expectations. But for me, at least, in the middle of my life, I've come to think that having it all is an internal condition. Maybe to live a purposeful, meaningful life, we should begin with the assumption that we already do have it all, that we have everything we need to fulfill our purpose already inside of all of us. I tried this idea out on Sarah and Michaela.
2: I have thoughts but Michaela I want to hear what you think about that first.
1: I'm listening to you
3: and I think it's a provocative idea. What does it mean to start now with everything that I have? You have this this toolbox of things and you need nothing else in your toolbox. So I look at my toolbox and I'm like, "Okay, well, this looks good. So it should it should be fine." I think it depends on on where you're coming from and what's in that toolbox. When you're creating something then it becomes well what does it mean to have enough? I guess, since we're not trying to have it all, what does enough look
2: like? When we talked about it at the beginning, I was thinking of like having it all and as the external thing. Like it's really entrenched in finance. And I think if I look at the idea of like I already have it all, it really inspired an internal moment in me. And what do I mean by that? I used to think that in order to succeed in in the workplace and to succeed in my life, I had to tone down my Judaism. I had to tone down certain aspects of my personality. And now it's like, what if what if having it all means I'm enough right as I am? Like, I have responsibilities. I have power. I have privilege. I have an artistic voice. So what is it if I've got all the stuff I need to formulate a meaningful life, then like, What do I focus on? I have the things I need inside.
1: It's what I believe when I intellectually frame it. I believe that I have a purpose and that anytime I'm living in alignment with my purpose, I have everything I need right in this moment to achieve it. And that sometimes the key to having it all is just getting out of my own way. That's, That's really how I think about it. But Michaela, as I listen to you respond to it, I think a little bit about the difference between being able to say that in my 40s and say that in my 20s. Because in my 40s, I'm on the other side of the relationship question. At this point in my life, I'm married. If you'd asked me in my 20s if I was ever going to be married or even find anybody to date, the answer would be like, gosh, I hope so, but I don't see it coming. And if you had asked me if I was going to be financially stable, well, I dreamed of being a creative. So I again hope so, but I didn't see it coming. So it's much easier in this phase of one's life to hold on to that than it is I think Michaela in your phase.
3: So much of my life was spent thinking about all of the things that I needed to get that hearing now that I may have just had all of these things already is it's kind of mind-blowing. I needed to get a degree. I needed to get that degree, which meant that I have debt, which means that now I need to pay off that debt, which means that now I need to have a job that pays me well. But the job that I have has to also fulfill that inner purpose that I maybe never even focused on because... Throughout my life, it was just, well, go to school, go to school so you can make money. And now you're asking me to turn back into myself and figure out what my purpose was. It makes your head spin a little bit.
2: When I'm talking about like that, I have it all inside. I think it's maybe I hear what you're saying. I, I felt like I had to compromise myself at certain points to get ahead. And maybe I did. And now I feel like I'm at this place where like, quote unquote, having it all means what happens if I just stop if I just stop compromising if I'm like oh it doesn't fit this rubric that's been imposed on me that's fine I can make my own and that I had in me all along the values instilled in me by my family by my community by my faith and by my own I hope like my own creativity my own ideas like that's there that's a part of me
1: I would just say also, Michaela, that maybe all of that school that you did and did successfully was an expression of your internal compass, your values, the person that you are.
3: You know, listening to Sarah talk, it it, it feels as though this it's necessary. Even though I would love to just skip over all of this fluff and and wondering and laying awake at night thinking well, when am I ever gonna have it all? Will I ever have it all? Is that a thing that's for me? I, I guess I should just be happy with what I have now. All of that internal battle. I think now I'm listening to both of you say, "Well, I, I've I've gotten to this age where now it just doesn't matter." In, in, in some ways. And I think right now I'm fighting to get to that spot. And I just wish we could package what you got in your 30s and 40s and 50s as, as like confident human beings that I've scraped my knee enough. I've done my time. I've, I've become who I am and just like plug it into a 20 year old so we can skip all of that madness and say, you have what you need. Just go get it.
1: And by the same token, Michaela, I wish I could take this 40-something-year-old body whose knees ache regularly, whose back hurts a lot, (laughs) and who seems to have put on a few pounds around the middle that are never coming off again, like just back to 26 for like, just give me 24 hours of my (laughs) 26-year-old self because I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it, you know?
2: Until I let go of the need to conform, that took up so much space also would love to go back and see 26 year old me and be like sweetheart you're fine <laughs> you don't even know you're fine okay so this year let's 2021
1: as our listeners are listening to us i want to have this conversation to start 2021 because i i just sense that 2020 changed us in some profound way on this topic that it forced us out of our comfort zones in every dimension and that maybe we're different because of it. So I'm curious what you guys think of that.
3: I absolutely feel as though 2021 has just put a laser focus on the things that matter. And what does it mean for the things that matter to you? I think family has always been a big thing for me. But hearing I've had cousins who contracted COVID. I had one that had malaria for a while. I had another family member that passed this past weekend. And it's, it's okay. Well, having it all, that's great. But what I really need to focus on is this, this aspect of family. And it would be nice to have disposable income. But in, in the grand scheme of things, I can be happy if I'm just healthy. My family's healthy. And I have family and friends around me that truly love me so I think and I can love as well also of course um but I think it's just heightened whatever is truly
2: inside you I've been thinking about this a bunch like what do I want my year to to look like I do feel really changed by 2020 I do also like Michaela was saying like I feel like my focus has been sharpened so how do I show up how do I embody my purpose what do I have an abundance of that I can share? What can I do to help someone else get to where they want to be? How do I marry career ambition and self-care so that I'm not overextending myself? Like, how do I embody all these things I've learned about myself? How do I live with meaning? How do I live my values more out loud? And how do I do my part to help more people live their values and not merely have to do what is necessary to survive in our current world. I think one
1: thing that I learned in 2020 is if you know me at all, you know that I am I am an extrovert's extrovert. Before this year, I was out five out of seven nights in a week. And during those evenings, I might have drinks with someone, then go dinner, go to dinner with someone else might start the day by having breakfast with someone else. I get my energy from people. And this year, I also learned to make space for myself. So at the beginning of the year, I actually sold a creative project. I sold a book project. So now I'm on the hook to write a book. It's a memoir about my family. And so every day, I go to bed at like 8.30, because I'm not going out for drinks or dinner with anyone. And I wake up, Two hours before my son does and I spend two hours in a very solitary state writing and I feel like the rest of the stuff will work out that this idea of being connected to purpose and connected to my work will come more clearly into my field of vision if I'm figuring out how to make the space to listen to myself and I don't know Michaela if that's what exercise does for you to some degree
3: I do love my exercise, but I, I love more those quiet mornings, like you mentioned. I love more just sitting in my bed and, and reading a book that is helping me. My friend says I don't read anything for fun, and it's very true. It's basically self-help or um, the Bible or whatever it is. And um, I have learned, unlike you, that I am very much an introvert. I definitely love the quiet. I love the mornings. I love being by myself. Friends are like, how are you able to just be in your apartment for so long? And I'm saying, I walked outside the other day and I didn't realize they tore out the building next to me. I had no clue. I was in my own space. This year has really meant that I had to sit down and say, well, who are you? And what do you need to work on for yourself? That way, when you get around people, you're just a better human to be around. And like Sarah mentioned, helping them. Because at the end of the day, if you're just living your world just to make the best for yourself and you're not helping someone else, then I think
2: you kind of failed as a human. I don't know that it was sitting at home or what, but here is a thing. It is an experience I want, and, and my 2021 will not be complete without it. I will not have had it all. I need to see my family.
1: Yeah. I really hear that. Well, thank you guys. This was really awesome.
2: <laughs> this was super fun.
1: Thank you, Jesse. That really was, as Sarah said, fun. Folks, this idea of what we're going for as people when we think about the future of work—it's going to be really central to the show this year. We'll talk about opportunity and how we prepare ourselves for it. We'll hear from folks who've had amazing journeys who can teach us a lot but it's all in service to helping each member of our community grow into ever more developed and fulfilled humans. The future of work is the future of us. Before we go, we wanted to hear from more of you. Roy Tire is a coach in Tupelo, Mississippi.
2: I work from home. I have a lot of flexibility and autonomy, and this year during the pandemic, what I discovered was that not only for me is true wealth and well-being having that discretionary time it's being able to use that time to serve my family you know my wife works in healthcare full-time her hours got cut to half time and we wanted to keep our girls out of daycare so that meant a majority of the week i was just with our girls all day and what i discovered was the ability to serve my family it made me feel like i had accomplished something bigger than any of the projects i'd done before when i think about The flexibility and the autonomy that comes from the discretionary time that I do have because of the nature of my work, it's impossible for me to put a number on that. It makes me feel wealthy, even though by some standards, we're not a wealthy family.
1: Deborah Ashley is a consultant in New York City who has only recently embraced the gift she already has.
0: Hi, Jesse. To answer your question, what does it mean to have it all? At this point in my life, it means letting go of my obsession of perfection accepting that nothing is perfect and building a life that accepts, celebrates, and honors my limitation as a human being. Obviously, it took me a long way to get here. After I left a 20-year marketing career, I started a business that's mostly online-based, and it took me about six to eight months to even share posts. One day, I was answering a question in a group, and someone said to me, how do you know all of this information? I told her about my background, I told her about everything that I've done over a 20 year period of time. And she said to me, if I had your background and knowledge, I would be fully booked right now. That woke me up that the things that I didn't realize that I knew, I already knew. And the things that I knew, others needed to hear.
1: Thanks to everyone who sent in a message, an email or a comment on my post, your thoughts all helped shape this conversation. Now, two things before we sign off. Please, if you haven't, fill out our listener survey at LinkedIn.com forward slash Hello Monday. That's LinkedIn.com forward slash Hello Monday. Also, join us for the first office hours of the year. We'll be convening, as usual, Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. Want the link? Follow me on LinkedIn at Jesse Hempel or email us at Hello Monday at LinkedIn.com. We'll talk more about what it means to you to have it all. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show is produced by Sarah Storm. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencio Uriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Michaela Greer and Victoria Taylor give us their all. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You also heard music from Poddington Bear. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening.
2: I don't know. I feel like I'm babbling. No, you're doing great. Okay. I. Besides like, Sarah, I just
1: want to let you know that we have a producer and we edit this show heavily,
2: so you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I. I have. I have <laughs> it's, now I get. I'm getting a taste of my own medicine, man. I'm like, it's hard to be in this spot.